Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Live. Hello, Facebook Live, Tuesday, 5th of March, 2019, 7pm, 7.06pm. And we are live with uh, consultant plastic surgeon, Jonathan Stiano, that's me introducing myself, uh, with my q and I've got some questions that I have had already in the last week, but if you have any questions that you want to um, ask, then feel free to ask them here and now and I will do my best to answer them if I can. So um, we have uh, got some questions which I've got on my preordained thingy here, which is, hi, my breast is very saggy. It's dropped that my nipples are nearly at the same level as my belly button. I don't want my breast lifted. I'd like to have implants fit in and the excess of the skin removed. I'm interested in implants that are very sturdy, not looking naturally. I want them to look like those, um, like those of many adult film actresses, should we say? Um, would that be possible? And how much would that cost, please? Okay, so we'll, we'll answer the question. Oh, is that hair? It's on that side. Yeah, we have a hair issue. Uh, I'll go straight on. I'll, I'll be all right. So, um, yes. Yeah, so we have. Our, I have. A, have replied to that with with um, costs and what have you. But uh, it it's an interesting question because it's the whole issue of breasts, uh, implants, and lifts. Broadly speaking, the thing about a um, breast implant is it makes the breast big lift is that it um lift uh, and it makes the shape better so an implant makes it bigger a lift makes the shape better uh, so the the thing is to say look what's the problem is it shape or is it size or is it size and shape so um this patient is saying the breast is very saggy their nipples are nearly at the same level the belly button whoa so that is sounding like a lift to me um but it's an interesting point because this patient is saying they want their implants to look, uh, sorry, their breasts to look uh, not natural at all um, and presumably bigger. If there is a, you can do a similar sort of thing to a lift with implants. So what implants do, or in terms, when you have saggy breasts, what you need is you need to, you've got too much skin. And there's two ways you can address that skin. You can either cut it out, which is doing a lift, or you can fill the volume with an implant to sort of take up the slack skin. And now a lot of people like this patient doesn't want to lift. To be honest, no one wants a lift, really. If, if you asked anyone, do they want a lift? No one wants a lift. They can avoid a lift because a lift gives scarring. It gives complications. You have to move the nipple. And there's all sorts of problems associated potentially with a lift. So no one really wants one if they can avoid it. So often people say, look, can I avoid a lift? And I understand why they say that. 
Now, sometimes you can avoid a lift if you have got a bit of a sag to your breasts by taking up that slack skin with an implant. But it needs to be quite a big implant, number one. So if you don't want to be much bigger and you just want the shape of your breast better and you might happy being a little bit bigger but not much, that's not sounding like a good prospect. I'd be like, hmm. You know what? I think it's a lift. It's the, it's the shape. It's the sagginess you really need addressed. So it's a lift you really need. Whether or not you put an implant in is 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 optional sort of thing. You can combine an implant with a lift, but it does increase the complications. So if you're going to use a small implant, you'd be like, mm, it's increasing your complication rate. You might want to just have a lift to start off with and see if you're happy with the volume. If you're not, you can have implants at a later date. Similarly, if you're like, I do not want the scars of a lift. You know, I really don't want it. Like this patient saying here, I don't want the scars of a lift. Totally understand it. You could sometimes do implants without doing a lift, but two big butts <laughs> two big butts big butts i like big butts so two big butts is number one big butt is um has to be a big implant <clears throat> so if you don't want to be much bigger it might not do the trick because the implant is doing the same job as what the lift would have done it's taking up the slack skin so that's the one big butt it has to be a big implant the other big but is that it is not going to be as good as doing a lift. If you need a lift, if your breast is sitting low, the best way to address that is with a lift. So you cannot get it's a compromise. If you say, look, I don't want the scars of lift. I don't want the comp complications of lift. Fair enough. I understand that. No one does. But if you don't have the scars and complications of a lift and you're going to use implants you're compromising the result and you may not get as good a result you may well get a good result in a bra you may look okay in a bra but out of a bra your nipples might sit low your breasts might sit low and worst case your implants will be up here and your breasts will be falling off it i've got to say if so this is something you really need to do with a um consultation because it's hard to do with just like talking in words saying oh my nipple my, bre uh, my breasts are the same like size uh, same level of my belly button but if your nipples are the same level of the belly button i suspect it's not it may well not be a goer so some people it's like not a goer for implants implants are only a goer if you're borderline if you're borderline for a lift you could say okay you're borderline for a lift you want a big volume increase you could just have implants on their own but your nipples would still sit low your breast will be bigger, but the shape of your breast, if you're not happy with the position of your nipples, it will be the same. The position of your nipples will be the same. And you'd have to put the implants in to um, sit with the breasts. So you have to put the implants in low when you do the surgery. It's, you know, it's it's difficult to, you know, it's a fraught surgery to get right because you have to put the implants with the breasts if your breasts are sitting low. And if you don't get the implants low enough sitting low enough with the breasts you end up with breasts uh, implants up here breasts down there oblong shaped breast doesn't look good so it is a tricky one i'm not sure if i've explained that properly but it's a tricky one when people are borderline for a lifted implant so you might be a, an option for a, a implants only uh, it sounds like you're not if your nipples are truly at the level of your belly button uh, but if your nipples aren't quite that low and you want a big implant you might have a, an option of just having implants but you'd have to accept the limitations of that, which would mean the shape would maybe not be quite as nice as we would like. And sometimes when you do these cases, sometimes you need to do a lift later on. 
as a second stage and say, look, you know, it just doesn't look right. I need to do a lift. Sometimes you just say, look, you know what? I've avoided the scars. I look great in clothes. I look great in a bra. Out of a bra, you know what? I wish my nipple was a little bit higher. You know, that's often the case. I just wish it's a little bit higher. But, you know, we cannot lift the nipple if we're not making a scar around the nipple. So if you're just putting implants in, you can't lift the nipple. So the, 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 it's interesting that they're saying they want to look, they don't want to look natural. They, they want to look like a adult film uh, actress. Um, and so that actually is in favor of the implant only because that would be a big, you know, maybe an extra high profile, big implant um, if, if you want that sort of look, which is exactly in favor if you've got too much skin and sort of borderline for a lift. So that's actually quite a good candidate. As I say, if you want a small implant, it's just not going to take up that slack skin. Um, of course, people are, people are commenting here. What's going on? Jade's good evening. Good evening, Jade. Tracy, what is that, Tracy? Is that clapping? What is that waving? Anyway, right back at you, Tracy, whatever it is. Tracy, Haley, Haley. Louise, not sure, assuming that's someone that you know, maybe, is it? I'm not sure. I'm not looking, I'm not looking at a bum lift, but why are there so many risks associated with this procedure? Jade, um, that's what we want. We want people who aren't actually looking for procedures, just asking for questions, helping me out. Jade, you're helping me out. I respect you for that. Um, good question. So basically, um, it's all a bit in disarray, the bum, the bum, bum lift or whatever you want to call it, bum buttock augmentation world um, at the moment. So it started off with implants. Uh, you, you know, we, we started with implants saying buttock implants, um, but they have problems with them. It's really obviously you're sitting on your on your bum and things like that. So dislocation was a problem. Bleeding was a problem. Um, pain was a problem. And so implants fell out of favor, really, because it was not a great place to put an implant. You've got a huge muscle there, your glute, gluteus maximus muscle. You either put it into the muscle or under the muscle. Um, so it, it was fraught with problems, implants. So implants got a bit of a bad, like in the same anywhere else in the body, if you get infection, things like that, it, uh, you have to remove the implants. So implants fell out of favor a bit because we said, look, you're sitting on all the time, you, the implants are going to dislocate, they're going to move, and uh, that's not a good result. So then we thought, oh, you know what? Well, then fat grafting came in. We thought, fat grafting, fantastic, brilliant, that's great. Now, whenever I talk about fat grafting, um, you know, I usually talk about it in the context of the breast, and I always make a point that it's usually low volume of fat grafting. I don't usually use a huge volume of fat uh, to do it. Now, if you're going to do a buttock augmentation, you need quite a large volume of fat. And people were... Um, uh, South America and other parts of the, the world, uh, Brazil, things like that, they were really um, um, uh, sort of proposing this quite high volume fat transfer using quite large volumes of fat. And I was looking at these people doing these presentations, and big volumes of fat um, augmenting the buttocks with fat transfer. I thought, this is fantastic. It's fat. It's your own body. You know, there's problems with implants, none of this problem with dislocation and infection and all this sort of stuff. It's a great idea. Fat grafting It's your own fat. Fantastic. You're taking it out from somewhere else, you know, brilliant situation. That's fantastic. But then what happened was um, lots of people died basically, and people are continuing to die um, because the problem with fat grafting to the buttock is that there's quite a lot of large vessels, large veins, large blood vessels in the buttock because there's big muscles and those big muscles need blood because 
you know to work and so this large blood vessels in the uh, in the area and when you're injecting the fat if you inject the fat into a blood vessel if you inject a lot of fat if you're injecting large volumes of fat and if you get large volumes into a blood vessel the fat goes into it it's called a fat embolus the fat then sort of travels around your body and usually gets stuck in your lungs and uh, basically clogs things up around your heart and lungs and um you die you know you can you can die and people have died young fit people have died having fat grafting and it's been sort of way higher mortality than any other cosmetic procedure and so there's been a lot of alarm bells running ringing around with it and barps the plastic surgery association baaps um last year said that um, plastic surgeons barps members are advised not to do fat grafting to the buttock so that um, the big problem with fat grafting was death um, and so that was stopped uh, last year amongst uh, BARPS members and now people you see people now talking about implants again implants are coming back say oh implants actually they're not so bad after all uh, at least you're not going to die um, so they're coming back and we're all running around thinking is fat grafting safe if we do it properly and do we need to make sure that people are trained properly to um, put, put it in the right layers and avoid these vessels then it can be done safely and some plastic surgeons are saying it's a safe thing to do and we shouldn't really ban it and it's all in disarray at the moment but it is something that has had mortality associated with it um, so it's a difficult area jade that's why i've too much, i've never done it never done it and uh it's it's a difficult area and if you want it look for someone who does a lot of it in this country not many people i don't think have embraced it uh, there's people in brazil and uh, in south america and things who've done huge you know, france there's a guy in france done huge numbers huge experience great results as well so um but i don't think anyone in this country really as far as i know has really embraced it but it is you know and it's fraught it's fraught with fraught with controversy but at the moment fat grafting is sort of out implants well imp, you know i saw a guy a, a guy from france presenter a guy from paris francois petit do a fantastic presentation with some fantastic results with implants you know really really good results with implants so um but it's just like what's good with that that surgeon and what surgeons are comfortable doing What's the recovery time on Natalie? What's the recovery time on a mini lift? Uh, mini lift, so breast lift this is presumably. Um, so yeah, I know what you mean by a mini lift, Natalie. Um, basically, a, a you know, a lift is a is a lift. And um, the, um, the problem with a lift is the scarring. And the problem with the scarring of a lift is there's two um it's when you get a junction of scars you get problems with the healing so you've got a circle around the nipple then you've got a straight line now so you have a you always have a circle around the nipple in my hands if you're doing a lift i would say you pretty much always have a straight line going down and sometimes you have a line in the fold as well so you have a circle down so lollipop always sometimes small t so a, a small extension down there like a little anchor so it's the t's that are the problem so if you have a circle and line the lollipop there's less t's there's only one t only one junction from the circle to there so a, sm a small lift might be a mini lift might only have that one junction um 
and that is where the healing issues are. So you'd hope for it to be healed in a week or so, but you need to be taking it easy for the first couple of weeks. You won't want to be doing too much tension on that. So I don't know if you do the gym and stuff like that. Oh, I think you do do the gym, don't you? So you don't really want to be doing too much um, too much craziness in the gym. Um, so you've got to be careful with that the first couple of weeks. After a couple of weeks, you'll be getting back into gentle things, but not upper body stuff, lower body stuff. And it's about six weeks. To be honest, to be honest with you, um, Natalie, it's similar to a normal, <laughs> a, a, you know, a full lift. I normally say four to six weeks for getting back to the gym. I guess maybe a bit less, but maybe I guess probably more like the four week than the six week mark, I suppose, for a mini lift. But uh, it's still, you know, moving nipples and things like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, four weeks. Should we say two weeks, two weeks light activities, four weeks? Yeah, four weeks to strenuous stuff. And then just start the strenuous stuff. I know what you like. Don't go crazy into some full on sort of, big weightlifting thing um got just sort of start easy and start gently and then build up oh my god the chat's going off here it's kicking off oh my god it's a wave slash hello oh right it's a way i'll tell you what it doesn't is it a wave just hello okay take your word for it tracy doesn't it looks i don't know what it looks like it looks like um well let, 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 let's let the people decide right people what do you say about that is that a wave slash hello not familiar with that emoji, but I'll have to brush up on it. I'll get my emojipedia out and I will check that up um, at my leisure later on. Uh, cats in the house. Can skin be removed near the underarm bra line at the same time as a breast lift? Yeah. Yep. So this cat sounds like the sort of thing you might be thinking about doing for people who have lost a lot of weight. So people who lost a lot of weight, got a lot of skin, obviously got a lot of skin in the breast. But you can have a lot of skin here in the, the bit that you're already describing. Obviously, my jumper is sort of in the way, but um, yeah, it's sort of I know what you mean, sort of extending, uh, extending over over laterally. Um, and so you can extend the um, extend the excision to remove that excess excess skin in that uh, underarm area. Sometimes people will do something called an auto augmentation where they actually take that that excess um, fat and 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 keep it attached and put it back into the breast to augment the breast make the breast bigger but without using an implant using that bit of tissue i won't say that bit of skin because you remove the skin and throw the skin away but use the sort of the, the excess subcutaneous tissue there and put it back in but maybe i'm going off topic um but your question is yes you can so you obviously have a, a lift scar circle around the nipple down and the more skin you've got to remove the more scarring you get so that's why the mini lift you might be getting away with a lollipop if you've got a lot of excess skin so i don't know what your situation is cat but the, what you're describing is more someone who's got like a lost a lot of weight breasts are something sort of let very low they've got a lot of extra skin so the more skin you've got the more scarring you're going to get so you're probably going to going to get a full anchor t uh, anchor scar with that so a scar going in the fold which would then extend round to the side um, as far as the skin that you want to remove, basically. So the scar goes as far as the skin that you uh, want to remove. So it would be an extended scar, more healing and issues and what have you, but um, definitely something that can be done at the same time as a breast lift cat. Good question. Big up yourself. Right. Emma in the house. Can you tell me if you have Allergan implants, if you go back to the surgeon who did them and ask them to do tests as you are having pain, do they have have to help you six years later also what happens if they are bottoming out after six years is this expected okay emma 
if you have Allegan, right. So basically, I think the issue here is that Allegan have uh, are no longer available on the market. So what happened was their CE mark, which is their European um, sort of uh, approval to be sold in Europe thing, they didn't renew it. They didn't renew their CE mark. So therefore, they are not selling them in Europe including UK, um, because of that. They didn't do any sort of recall or anything like that. So they didn't, there's no evidence that there's anything wrong with Allegan implants. There is a, I mean, I, I don't know what, Al, I mean, Allegan are just saying, look, we're not renewing it. Now, there's a lot of things about this ALCL, this type of cancer associated with implants, which is associated more with tech, well, not more, it's associated with textured implants. There's no smooth implants people with smooth implants with this ALCL. It's a very rare cancer, but there are uh, there was there was quite a few associated with Allegan implants. And so whether it's associated with the ALCL and the texturing of the Allegan implants, whether that's the reason they've not renewed their CE mark, that's a sort of speculation. I don't know if they've said that or not. I don't know if they, but that's what sort of people are talking about is, um, but even so, the risk of ALCL is very, very low, even with Allegan implants. And the advice is not to do anything if you have Allegan implants in terms of changing the implants or removing them or getting new implants. The result is that the, the advice is they are fine and they are safe. Um, but with anyone with implants, you've got to look out for stuff, including stuff like ALCL, because that can happen with anyone with textured implants. So, um, so you're six years down the line. So ALCL, eight to 10 years is sort of classic sort of time it, it would appear. Usually it presents as a lump or a swelling. So if you get a lump or a swelling, you need to get it checked out. As I say, any make of implants, I wouldn't be particularly thinking all alarm bells with Allegan, or I understand that you would be worried because of this, um, the fact that they're no longer available. But as I say, the advice is that they're, they're fine to leave. But what you're saying, if you go back to you're having pain, do they have to help, help you six later? Right. Well, I'll tell you my experience of this. Um, it's, it's hard for So, Emma, do they have to help you? No. I, I don't think anyone sort of... Well, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? God. Um, basically, everyone's different in terms of follow-up and what they'll do and whether they'll... How, they, how they'll see you and what have you. I think you'll find that most surgeons would... would the way you're asking the question makes it sound like they're not helping you. But most surgeons, I think, would be happy to help people. You know, I think most most of us are happy to help people. Um, but I'm going to tell you where I would go if someone came back to me with pain at six years um, with I didn't use Allegan. Well, I, I have used a couple, literally a couple of Allegan. I haven't used a huge amount of Allegan. But um, but even so, whatever implant, um, you know, I'd see them and talk to them. The thing about breast pain is... Um, the thing you've got to think about with breast pain is, is it the breast or is it the implant? As far as you can tell, as, as you, as in probably me, really, not, not you, as in the doctor, what if someone comes to me with breast pain, I'm trying to get a handle as, is it the implant or is it the breast? Because obviously you've got an implant, then you breast on top. Is the pain associated with the implant or is it the breast? It's unusual to have breast pain due to an implant at six years. Now, that doesn't mean it's not due to the implant. I'm just saying it's unusual. Um, you do get people with pain associated with implants, discomfort associated with implants, which can last a long time, particularly with the polyurethane implants. It can last a year or so for it to settle, but that's usually pain from the op sort of thing. 
to, to unless you've had pain oil for the last six years. But, you know, if it's a new sort of thing, it's unusual, but not necessarily uh, uh, unheard of. It could be associated with a capsular contracture, in which case your implant will be quite hard. So if your implant's quite hard and it's painful, that's a different story. That's probably the capsular contracture causing the pain. That is not unusual. And that might be occurring at six years. Again, six years quite early for capsular contracture, but that might be something. So the first thing I would be thinking about is, would... Is it, is it related to the implant? Is it capsule contracture? Has that implant gone hard? Is that what's causing the pain? Or is the implant lovely and soft? There's no evidence of any pain around the implant and it's a pain in the breast. If it's a pain in the breast, then I would be saying to you, look, you probably need to see a breast surgeon. It always gets a bit confusing when I say that to people because they say, well, I thought you did breast, you know, I thought you were a breast surgeon because I pretty much only do breast. But there are different people who do breast. There's breast surgeons who are usually trained as general surgeons and there's plastic surgeons and plastic surgeons tend to do the reconstruction. So um, and breast surgeons deal with things like breast pain, breast lumps, breast cancer, you know, and all that sort of thing. So if you have a breast lump, you much you go to a breast surgeon, not a plastic surgeon. You don't come to me if you've got a breast lump. You go to a breast surgeon. They'll do investigations and biopsies and what have you. If you need to have the breast lump removed, perish the thought, if you need a mastectomy or something like that, that will be a breast surgeon, not a plastic surgeon. If you need a reconstruction, then you come to a plastic surgeon, although often the breast surgeons do the reconstruction themselves nowadays. But um, but if you're having breast pain, pain in the breast tissue, then that would probably be a breast surgeon that you would be better off seeing, because that could be due to all sorts of things, hormonal things and what have you. And, you know, that that would be so. And what I would say to you, if you were my patient, I would say, look, come back and let's see if it's related to your implant, because if it's related to your implant, I can help you with that. If it's a capsular contracture or if there's a problem with the implant, I can help you with that. If it's breast pain due to the breast tissue, you'd be better off going to a breast surgeon. And to be honest with you, the NHS tends to treat this well. So I would actually say to you, look, you know what, I'm going to write your GP and suggest your GP refers you to a breast surgeon because they've got very good systems now for dealing with breast pain. Obviously, we worry about breast cancer and things like that. It's such a common thing. You know, any problems with the breast, the NHS has got quite good sort of systems in place to deal with those things. So that's where I would be going. I would be saying, look, if it's breast pain, over the breast tissue, then your GP might be a better, better port of call, and I'll be referring you to the GP. So, um, if your surgeon isn't helping you, which is, I'm getting the flavour of that with your question, um, then maybe go and see your GP. The problem if you go and see the GP and you say you've got breast implants in, they might say, "Oh well, have you had them checked by the surgeon?" Because it's probably your implants. So it's often nice to come back to come to see me first because I can say yes you know, it's, your implants are fine. Then I can write to your GP and say, look, the implants are fine. It's to do with the, um, it's to do with the breasts. So, um, yeah, that's where I'd be going. Also, what happens if they are bottoming out after six years? Is this expected? No, um, Emma, it's not expected, but it can happen. You know, bad things can happen. Bottoming out can happen. Depends on what's happening in your life and your weight and your, um, situation. If you had children, things like that um the, the breasts can droop the implants can bottom out which is the implant descending below the inframammary fold it's not expected at emma but things can happen um and so i wouldn't say it's expected um no it's not expected but but yeah and and i would have thought to be honest with you emma i, I would have thought your surgeon would probably help you out most most of us will help people out we don't want to have unhappy patients and if you've got a problem at six years you you would have hoped your original surgeon would see and you bet your original surgeon's always your best port of call because they know what they've done and they know what's going on and what implants they've done how they've done it and what have you in there i would have thought they'd be happy to see you and help you out and you know 
give you either just give you reassurance or do whatever needs to be done nikki says it's a wave so nikki knows for emojis you can get the emoji cat says yep huge weight loss yeah yeah so that's yeah so um that's the extended breast lift going around the side huge weight loss yeah so extra skin Debbie, hi, everyone. What's the best and safest, Debbie? What's the best and safest type of lifestyle for the back area to achieve an hourglass effect? An hourglass effect. You know what, Debbie? If someone tells you, tries to tell you what the best is, I don't know. You've got to be a bit. The thing about liposuction, there's loads of different liposuction ways of doing liposuction. So therefore, there's no best. If there was a best, we'd all do that, wouldn't we? Who would do the non-best thing? We'd all do the best one. We all want to do the best one. No one wants, like, do you want the best one or do you want the other one? Well, the best one, you know, answer, no best one. Basically, there's a range. And the range starts with non-surgical stuff, the freezing, the heating, the uh, radio frequency, the cooling ones, the cryolipolysis, the whatever, you know, the non-surgical things. So you go, you walk in, you have this machine put on, it freezes or heats or delivers energy to the fat somehow, which kills the fat. The principle being the fat is more susceptible to being killed than the skin. So it'll deliver a energy that will kill the fat, but not the skin. And then, then um, that will get rid of the fat. So that's the sort of um, least invasive and then you move on and then the other end of the spectrum is liposuction full-on well okay we'll stick with liposuction it is liposuction full-on liposuction sort of liposuction i do which is power assisted liposuction theater general anesthetic tube goes in sucks the fat out very effective but you say what's the safest often needs a general anesthetic if you're having on the back then you're prone you're lying on the front which isn't great for a general anesthetic quite big quite traumatic battered and bruised all these sorts of things but a very effective thing so one end of your spectrum you've got your um you've got your non-surgical machine that just sticks on and, and causes a bit of discomfort but you know not nothing you know that's 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 probably the safest the other end of the spectrum you've got your general anesthetic where someone's sticking a tube in sucking the fat out that's not as safe as not having you know the other one but the results are different you know, the results of sticking a tube in and sucking the fat out is often more of a result. Otherwise, no one would have anyone stuck a tube. We'd, we'd never stick tubes in if we didn't have to. And then in the middle, you've got your assisted forms of liposuction. Liposuction assisted with ultrasound like VASA or ultrasound or a laser assisted liposuction. And they deliver energy to the fat. There's still liposuction, so you still stick something in. So it's still a surgical procedure, but it delivers energy to the fat in the forms of ultrasound or laser to sort of destroy or heat up the fat before you suck it out. So you use a smaller cannula. You often use need to use. Um, you can do those under general, uh, sorry, under local sedation often because they're less traumatic because the cannula is smaller and it's delivered some energy to the fat first before you um, remove the fat. So that's sort of in the in the middle. So I'm sorry to be there isn't a best one. You know, they're, they're people. It's it's about seeing. A, I always say to people, look, choose a surgeon rather than a you know a procedure, because just find someone who does what you'll find that some people do a lot of one and a lot of the other. And th you know, and if they've got good results with the thing that they do, then you know you could. You just got to be happy with the sort of result you can get versus the sort of complications. So I guess the safest thing is to do nothing. That's really safe. No complications. Then you know, the next safest thing is to do the non-surgical thing. But then the results are less. It can be quite expensive. 
you know so you've got to move up safest versus more most result balance adele says would you would i adele would you would you adele i'm gonna i'm gonna turn that back on you would you you know would you two word question would you i would adele yeah i would yeah so um jade what's the procedure what's the procedure your clinic surgeons perform the most i meant sorry okay um we you know what numbers wise I think numbers-wise, we do a lot of mole cysts, local anesthetic procedures in the clinic, tattoo removals, sort of moles and cysts, lumps and bumps, do a lot of those. Um, general cases, breast augmentation. It's probably breast augmentation, um, followed by tummy tucks, followed by breast reductions and lifts. Yeah, but so breast augmentation for the GA work. But we do quite a lot of local anesthetics work as well. Oh, Adele's back in with a longer question. Would you recommend a polyurethane foam implant or silicone implant? Oh, um, Adele, I tell people, I just tell people what is, exists. And I. it's a bit like the liposuction. You know, non-surgical liposuction exists, surgical liposuction exists. If one was better, we'd all do that one. So it's not like the one is better. Um, and I wouldn't like, and sometimes people come and say, oh, can I have... Um, these implants, whatever it is, some make of implants, because they're the best, aren't they, these, these ones? And I'm like, you know, there's no best. They're all different. There's good. When, when it, certainly when it comes to silicon implants, there's loads of different makes. And there's some big companies, used to be Allergan, but Allergan not anymore, but Mentor, Nagor, Polytech makes silicone implants. You know, there's some big companies. Um, Seba, Seba, um, Sebin, whatever you want to say it. Uh, what else? But then, anyway, there's big companies that make silicone implants, uh, and they're all different. Usually, it's a warranty that's different. Sometimes the texturing is a bit different. The way they do the texturing, but broadly speaking, you couldn't really tell the difference. There's no, I don't think there's a huge amount to separate between them. Uh, but between polyurethane and silicone, there is a there is a tangible difference between those two. And there's pros and cons, Adele. And I just say to people, look, you know, this is polyurethane. This is silicone. Polyurethane is good because it is much less likely to go hard. So you're much less likely to have uh, need operations in the future, but they're more expensive. You can sometimes feel the edges. They feel firmer than silicone implants. They can take a while to settle. They can take a year or so to, them to settle. And years ago, they did an experiment when they injected rats into, uh, sorry, they injected some stuff from the polyurethane implants into rats and the rats got cancer. So a lot of people say, flipping it, you're not putting those ones in me, you madman. You know, I'm not having them. And I'm like, okay, fine. Well, let's do silicone ones then. And if you do get a capsule contraction, you can have polyurethane ones later on down the line. Uh, now there's, you know, I just tell everyone the pros and cons of them. There's good and bad about polyurethane. There's good and bad about silicone. I do like polyurethane. I've got to be honest. I do don't want people coming back in five or 10 years to uh, have their implants changed if I can avoid it. And I think long-term they are good. But if you want to have silicone first, and then if they do go hard five or 10 years down the line, have polyurethane, then that's perfectly reasonable. I used to do that. And I think a lot of surgeons do that. They don't often poly offer polyurethane as a primary breast augmentation. They only use it for revisions. But uh, as I say, I, I do offer it for primary. But I, I so I don't particularly recommend Adele. I don't say you're better off having a polyurethane one or you're better off having a 
silicone one i just say look these are the pros and cons of polyurethane and silicone go and do a bit of research i'll give you some information have a think see what you think ask me some questions and try and make a decision for you informed consent that's what it is these days adele it's informed consent you've got to sign the form not me well actually i have got to sign the form as well but anyway that's different you've got to sign your bit of the form so um as in the consent form um yeah right emma's back in thanks very much for taking time out of your busy day to answer my question you've been very helpful what was your question emma i forgot what it was oh yeah allegan implants yeah yeah okay good oh thanks emma that's kind of you um yeah well good luck emma and i hope your surgeon is being helpful because your 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 uh, question suggested <laughs> being helpful but i hope they are but uh, good luck with that and if they're not go to the gp gp might be helpful but uh, you probably would want to get someone to check your implants um what's nikki what's your opinion on mega lipo that's something on godzilla is it mega lipo um if the surgeon's very very experienced mega lipo <laughs> what's my experience of mega lipo um i haven't got well what's oh, sorry what's my opinion on it i thought you well i'll tell you my experience of it my experience of it is not huge i'm not very very experienced on mega lipo nikki i'm not big on mega lipo um you know mega lipo so that's a lot of lipo i mean it depends on what you're talking about mega lipo for me you're looking at like more than five liters so i think more than five liters of liposuction is a lot of liposuction and it can be done and there are surgeons who are very experienced in it and and will do it um but you you know you've got to be careful um you've got to you know i think it's good um to stay overnight because you it's good to be monitored because you get fluid shifts after having such a lot of fat being removed um and you can get fluid shifts and you can become hypotensive your blood pressure can drop you can feel weak and dizzy so it's good to have some, sort of a drip going on and I, I would say it's good to be monitored overnight um it can be done and i think if your surgeon like i said choose your surgeon not the procedure if your surgeon's experienced in it and you've got a lot of areas that need to be addressed and you get them all addressed in one go great go for it but it but it is you know it's it's a big it's a it's a mega it's a mega thing so um yeah as i say i i it's not something i do i don't do may i don't do huge huge volumes like five liters plus um but it can be done but if you are doing it you've got to have an experienced surgeon you've got to have a good facility you do it in you've got to have good post-op care um you know because you've got to make sure that you're okay and stable hemodynamically with your blood pressure and what have you afterwards so yeah it's a thing nikki and if your surgeon's experienced go for it um Rachel, hi, JJ. Would you say combined surgery is dangerous considered how long you are under anaesthetic? Um, well, you know, you don't want to be too, um, what's the word, like um, creating an alarm sort of thing um, by using terms dangerous. But, um, you know, since you've used the term dangerous, um, I mean, it is more dangerous than having a, you know, a longer anaesthetic is more dangerous than a short anaesthetic. But having said that, anaesthetics are very safe these days. And when you talk to anaesthetists, it's a bit like um, airline, uh, an aeroplane. The, the, the danger of an aeroplane is when you take is take off and landing. That's the sort of danger time for an aeroplane. And the sort of cruising bit in the middle is, is less dangerous. And it's sort of similar for an anaesthetic. The danger time for an anaesthetic is the sort of induction and the sort of, you know, um, a recovery. So it's it's not proportionately 
um, dangerous, if you see what I mean. So you could argue I, that having, if you're going to have like, I don't know, a breast lift and a tummy tuck, say, it is safer to have it in one op, you know, than having two general anesthetics because you've even got two inductions and recoveries, two lots, as opposed to one. Um, so, but, you know, it is, but it, but a longer anesthetic is, you know, it is more dangerous. You have more anesthetic um, uh, um, in you for that time. So the recovery, you can feel more jaded, you feel knocked back. It is a big thing having a combined surgery. And you have to talk to patients about, again, the pros and cons of having it combined or having it separate. So there are pros of having it combined. One lot of recovery, it's cheaper because you just have one operating theater, one set is opened, you know, and you can use the same instruments and stuff you know if you have a second operation you have to open it all again so the costs are there's cost savings with having it as a combined procedure and i think a lot of people don't want to have time off work and things like that so they want to have one lot of time off work they want to get their recovery over with you know you, you could get complications with but with either areas in, you know because you've got two areas being operated on but they're both recovering at the same time like, like in in uh, in parallel yeah, rather than series, you know, they're both covering at the same time. So if you got a bit of wounding there and a bit of wounding there, you sort of like, you know, it's 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 just getting it all done in in one go rather than getting one done and then three to six months later having the other one done. But it's it's difficult. I mean, I think um, it's difficult to know whether it's it's what's right for you. So if you purely saying is it more dangerous having a longer operation than a shorter one, then yes, it is. But if you're going to need that length of time in theatre anyway, so if you're going to have a breast lift and a tummy tuck, so, you know, three hours now and then three hours in six months, it might be better having six hours now, if that makes sense. So, um, so, yeah. So nothing simple, Rachel, nothing simple. You want a simple answer? You ain't getting it here. All right. It's not simple. But yeah, does that I hope that's um, not trying to dodge it. But, you know, you've got to think about pros and cons. That's what we're all about. So the clinic, that's what the consultation is all about, really. All surgeries, pros and cons. And it's like, look, these are the cons. There's all cons of surgery. But there's also pros. And if the cons are too much, you don't have it. Don't have a combined one. Don't have surgery at all sort of thing, you know. Not to, don't, don't want to sort of do people out of work. Does it look very dark in here? Dark. Middle of the night, it's dark outside, I suppose. Um, big smiley face, Rachel, Nikki. Thanks very much. We loved you saying mega lipo. Yeah, mega lipo. Is that a, is mega lipo a thing, Nikki? I like them. Would you have that on a on a um on our operating list? Mega lipo. Um, yes, would be a few days in hospital. Yeah, there you go. A few days in hospital. They look after you. There you go. Thank you. I should have been more specific. No, Rachel. No, you were more not Pacific. You you were Pacific enough. No, no, it's fine. No, I think the point is well made. You don't want to be too specific. Um, yeah. So that's right. So god dear. Right here we go. And now we have got a question here. Uh, RB light implanter. As I know. You have used B-Lights before. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I have chosen high-profile textured B-Light implants, 440. My mental high-profile implants with 375, 350. Are they any different to put in? And what are your thoughts on them? Um, I think if you think about it, there's been a couple of that 
not there's been a there's a couple of sort of sort of revolutionary things in breast implants if you're sort of saying what are the what are the big differences in breast implants and i think the big differences in breast implants are polyurethane i think that's a big difference people try and make lots of little different and make their implants sound better because they've got some different texturing or some shapes a bit different and they've got two types of gel or all these little things that trying to everyone trying to find an edge but i don't think there's any significant edge i think the two big edges are polyurethane implants i think that's a big deal and i think the b-light implants is a big deal i think the b-light implants is a my thoughts on them i think the concept is very good and very sound and i think it is a big deal for breast implant for breast implants um because the concept of a light implant so in case you don't know what it is a b-light implant is a silicone implant and then it's and it's it's i think it's 30 percent lighter than an equivalent sized um normal silicone implant um they are now made by polytech which also make the polyurethane implants they've um uh and which is a big company and um used polytech implants for a long time so it's a good company and i think the concept is very very good and i think the concept is sound uh, my view on them is that they are expensive uh, so that's something to consider uh your answer to your question are there any different to put in i saw someone that someone was talking about you going on a course or something happened they're no different to put in at all so they are silicone implants the same as you know any other silicone implants so there's no learning curve required there's no if you're if you know how to do silicone implants you're fine with um poly uh, if you know how to do silicone implants you're fine with be like implants the technique for putting them in is the same as the technique for silicone implants well they are silicone implants um so there's no difference in putting them in uh, they're talking about talking to the people at polytech they're talking about having a polyurethane foam be light implant which will be i think that'll be big i think that'll be a big you know that'll be another yet another sort of step change another game changer polyurethane foam be light um which makes sense because polytech make the polyurethane implants polytech make the be light implants why not merge them probably be really expensive because polyurethane is more expensive than silicone be light's more expensive than polyurethane so be like polyurethane probably really expensive but still um i guess as they get more sort of maybe as they get more used maybe the prices will come down but the, the concept of it i think is good i think be like good concept yeah is that answer you so i think it's good and oh that's what i was going to say um it and it does depend a bit on the size you're going to use so if you're going to use a smaller implant 250 cc give or take maybe less of a thing i think it's going to have more of a benefit for the bigger volume so you're like you're up onto 440 cc there um so yeah so for, for, the, for the bigger volumes i think you're going to have a more of a benefit with the b light than with a smaller volume um oh god what's going on here with those questions jade if you decided to have cosmetic surgery what kind of questions would you ask in your consultation um good jade you are it's like you are employed to come in and ask questions that's good good, good question um so i would say the main things you've got to see the, the main thing i think i will talk about the specific questions but i think you've got to get a flavor get a feel you can't you can't well i think the sort of gut feeling you know i think it's a big thing of the whole thing not just the surgeon the whole place the whole the whole atmosphere you know how you're treated um i think you've got to get a rapport with the surgeon that's why i say to people look there's quite a few good 
fully trained plastic surgeons around. So, you know, and we all know that you've got different opinions. Don't worry about getting different opinions from other surgeons because we all know that you'll see other opinions. And it might be you'll gel with one surgeon, but not the other, you know, and that's okay. Go with nothing, you know, it's your body. So that's the first thing. Get a surgeon that you feel that's going to look after you, that you feel like if you've got a problem. I mean, we had just an example. We uh, had an extension done and we had a couple of architects come and uh, give a quote and um both recommended both had done good work uh, both had these ideas but one of them we they gave a plan and we thought oh i'm quite like check that plan. The, the just his manner made it a bit difficult for us we were a bit frightened to say to him what about having that wall a bit moved a bit you know into the garden because or, or whatever the point principle being his manner made it a little bit we were a bit un we didn't want to suggest a change because we thought he's you know he's quite sort of mm, this is how it's going to be whereas the other one was a much softer and it was a much easier to talk to and I thought god if we got into the build of this and we decided to change a wall can you imagine it or we decided to put the roof somewhere else or something like that put a window in or something like that we don't want to be feel like we're he's going to tell us off, you know, oh, extension. So I think the per, you know, the per we gelled with the personality of the of the second one a lot more. And he was, you know, it was just made it nice. It made it pleasant. He would say, oh, yeah, you could move the window. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, at the end of the day, it was our thing. But you don't want to feel like, you know, and same, it's your body. You don't want to feel like you're thinking, oh, what about what about if we do lipo as well? You know, you don't want to feel like they're going to like shout at you if you suggest how about a bit of lipo or actually i'm not sure if i want to have surgery i'm going to postpone it for six months you don't think oh, i don't annoy him i'll have surgery now you've got to feel like you get on with them so i think that's number one it's not a question it's a feeling i think the feeling is really important questions um i think it's good to look for a fully trained plastic surgeon i've talked about this a lot um if you've got someone who is or has been an nhs consultant um that is a marker of a fully trained plastic surgeon or if you look look for frcs plast after their name plast that means they're fully trained um in plastic surgery you uh, if you are so nothing to do with me or anything if you're just looking for plastic surgery anywhere i think word of mouth recommendation is good i think it's always good if you it's like same if you're looking for a build or a plumber or anything like that if you know someone who's had surgery with that person uh, and they've got a good experience. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think if you can find word of mouth recommendation, I think that's a great thing. Um, I think it's fine. I think it's good to ask questions about people's experience, about how they've, they've done, about different uh, stuff like this. What about what have we been like mega lipo? You know, I don't know if you think you're mega lipo, or maybe you know, maybe that's not a good example. But um, mini lift, or no, that's not a good example. The the imp actually the implants. What was the one about the implants? Um, different makes of implants. Anyway just ask questions do your researchers ask questions and see how they feel those questions if they're getting a bit shirty and they're like well i use the best implants you know my implants are the best and i told you don't use those other ones you think i'm flipping out i don't want to be a bit shirty you know i think anyone who is um comfortable with the work and with the with the um with the industry i suppose is happy to answer questions you know if you've got questions ask and if i don't know i'm like oh crikey i don't know my people have come on here and use these abbreviations what about you know funny abbreviations all over the place um i can't think of them but, but anyway people use funny abbreviations but that's okay i'm okay if someone uses a funny abbreviation i don't know i'm like i don't know what that is 
And if, if that makes me a bad person, then, you know, fine, go with another surgeon who doesn't know what those abbreviations are. But I think it's good to ask questions and see how they handle the questions. I think it is good to, um, you know, to to just see how you feel and see how they interact with you. And in terms of training experience, it's always good to ask for training experience, qualifications, things like that. Don't lose sight of that. Don't, don't feel, and again, if you ask for the qualification, what are your qualifications, you know? If they get shirty, again, think, oh, crikey, you know? Most people, if they've got, if they're well qualified, they'll be only too happy. I'll tell you all day long about my qualifications and training and stuff, you know, and it's good. People don't ask it very often, to be honest with you. Even though I say to everyone, you've got to ask these questions, give you a guide what to ask. People hardly ever ask me. But when they do, I'm like, oh, good. Oh, blimey, they've read my guide. Um, but uh, yeah, mm. so that's, that's not really giving you many tangible questions, but uh, yeah. Um, Get a feeling, shop, you know, not shop around, but it's, it's fine to see different surgeons as well. Just get a feel for different ones. Um, Emma straight in and here. I've got a consultation with Kuram Khan on Saturday for breast implants. Go you. I'm so excited. I'm excited too for you, Emma. Excellent. Fantastic. That's the sort of publicity we need. Debbie, when did you last refuse a patient surgery and what was the reason why? Oh, Debbie. Oh, refuse is a bit of a refuse. You know what, Debbie, I, uh, what I try and do, I try not to get confrontational on it. You know, I don't want to get confrontational on stuff and refuse people's surgery. Right. I try and do it so we're on side. You know, and I've got someone right <laughs> right at the moment and I'm trying to I'm trying to get on side. I like, you know what? And it's usually stuff like weight, your weight, your smoke. It's usually weight, to be honest. The weight's too high. I'm like you know what your weight's high or if you your weight and smoking and I'm like it's if you can't lose the weight you're probably better off not having the surgery and sometimes i have to say look i won't do the surgery and you know when was the last time you know as i've got someone at the moment who the weight's a bit high and we you know working through that um but it's not it's not uh, uncommon for, to say look i think you're better off not having the surgery if you can't lose the weight or you can't stop smoking you know, every month, I suppose, I suppose, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, but I'm not refusing the surgery. I'm saying, look, the best treatment for you is to lose weight or to stop smoking. And if you can't do that, don't have the, just because I've seen problems when people have got high weight and got and smokers, they don't get good results. They won't be happy. I'm all about having happy patients. Now, when I say this, they may not be happy because they may think that I'm doing them a favor. That's the thing. If you do the surgery, you're not doing them a favor. They think you're doing you a favor. Oh, he's so good. I'm doing a favor. But you're not doing them a favor. You know, so you're not doing them a favor by doing the surgery. You're doing them a favor by saying you've got to lose weight or you've got to start smoking or get yourself optimized for whatever reason. Or if you worry about expectations not being realistic, you know, things like that. You you want to get a happy result and a, a happy patient, rather. You don't want to upset anyone. And I don't, I'm not in the business of upsetting people and refusing them and things, but I'm in the business of doing what everything can to get a happy patient. And sometimes that's, you'll get a happier patient by not operating on them. They may not be happy, but I just think, I, I don't, I was going to say, I know, I don't know, because no one's got a crystal ball. They might've had surgery and been fine, but I worry that if I'd operated on them, they'd be even even more unhappy than if I hadn't. So I'm always just trying to do my best to get a happy patient. And sometimes that means not operating, not uncommonly. 
you absolutely need to have a rapport with the surgeon, not be frightened to ask questions or fear you can't approach them. Amen to that, uh, sister. My may up. Last time I asked about B-lights, you didn't seem so sure. Wait for me. Important. Very helpful. All right. I'm still not that sure, Tracy, but I think their concept is good. <laughs> I think the, the problem with them, Tracy, is they're new. That's the thing. That's why you'll find a lot of doctors are worried, are sort of on the fence with them. And I think a lot of plastic surgeons are on the fence with them. Some plastic surgeons have braced them using them left, right and center. Some don't even want to touch them. I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, I, you know, I'm in the middle. I didn't mean confirmation for the benefit of the patient. Yeah, exactly. So that, but that's how I try and frame it rather than a sort of refusal thing. Um, I hope you don't mind the questions as you're not my surgeon. Yeah, that, um, I just want to make a point here that I, th I think most people here are not my patients. Um, this is not for my, specifically for my patients. My patients are welcome to come and talk and post questions and stuff. But I get people, mo most people are not my patient. I'm not doing this for my, specifically for my patients. My patients are welcome to, but my patients can email me directly and get in touch in other ways with me. Um, this is because I'm doing this whole quick Q&A stuff because um I am trying to, my whole thing with the clinic and, you know, obviously I was, I was doing doing all the surgery myself. I'm now sort of trying to build something bigger than me, but I'm trying to get the image of plastic surgery. It's got to be of a bad image, really, that everyone's cowboys and, and no one cares. And, and it's just trying to improve the image of plastic surgery on a sort of more global level. I'm not trying to get anyone to have surgery or anything like that so uh the, the, i just want to make the point if you're not my patient or if you had surgery elsewhere or if you live in you know anywhere somewhere not anywhere near here uh, which is birmingham by the way um that's fine I, that's absolutely fine good on you please ask please ask people say please, oh, thanks for giving I'm, I'm desperate give me questions i love it so that's good. No, I don't mind at all that I'm not your surgeon. I'm very happy to have questions from people who I'm not their surgeon of. Although you should, you know, you should surgeon. You should be the first port of call. That's the other thing I should say. Surgeon's always your best port of call. Do the prices... Oh, what's going on here? Thanks for asking. Oh, wait, wait, Emma, what's going on? On the fence now. Always on the fence, Tracy. Always on the fence. Go with what your surgeon says. But yeah, be lights. I think the concept is good. As I've said, I've got my consultation on Saturday. Kuram 8 have had to have laparoscopic surgery three weeks ago eight will i have to wait so long for home breast implants not really eight had to have what's eight um anyway not really because laparoscopic surgery usually bounce back pretty quickly um depends on how you are and if you're well and if laparoscopic surgery went well then and your wounds have healed because they're usually little wounds from laparoscopic wouldn't have thought so no jade thank you for asking my questions thanks for answering them jade i mean asking them did i say answering them um do your last question last question people alarms do your prices vary due to the size of the mole and where the mole is yes they do and this could be ex extended onto tattoo um so the, the the basically depends on how much surgery you're going to have to have but also the wound healing and the aftercare because if it's really tight so um I think it's in like small, medium, large. I think there's three prices, I think. Um, and if it's just going to be a nice sort of direct closure and it's going to be not too tight, then that's a small, like a mo to be honest, most moles are just mold. Mold. Most moles are small. That's a standard price. So mold, actually, this would have probably been better for tattoo than mole because most moles 
are small. Although you can get big moles. <laughs> so it depends on exactly the small. Oh God, I'm not this very well, have I? Um, it depends on the size and the location. So basically, uh, most moles are on the face and the location is here where there's laxity and things. But um, if it's a big mole and if it's an area where there's less laxity, like the head, the scalp, much less lax than the face. So a big mole on the scalp, more expensive, tighter, you know, might need a couple of operations. As I say, tattoos are a better example because, you know, tattoo and a type like a small tattoo on the finger would be a bigger deal than a big tattoo on the abdomen. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, it does it does rely on the size and the location, basically. So that's why sometimes we're a bit cagey with the moles. Oh, it's from price from you're always best sending a photo or just saying, oh, I've got a small mole, small mole the size of a of a pea or something on my cheek. And then we go, okay, well, that's a small mole. Um, so if you say that, then we'll just give you the price. But we're always a bit cagey. I had one once where a guy had a cyst and he has a C and treat. So he had quoted in the price. And then he came in a mass. I think he's on the website, actually. Got a massive, massive cyst here. I thought, oh, my Lord, alive. It's huge. Um, there you go. Anyway, not my rambling. Um, Debbie says, I'm doing a great job. I don't know any answers. We'll take time out of their busy day to answer questions. Day's not that busy, Debbie, but thank you for that. <laughs> Look at me, casual man about town. Um, but uh, yeah, I love it, Debbie. Love it. Mad for it. Go you. You've asked. You've asked. You've you've got in there, Debbie. So good, good on you. But uh, all, only too happy. Only too happy. So increase the peace. Thank you for that. Nice one tonight. Um, same time next week. Facebook Live, seven o'clock uh, here and now. If you've got any questions, please post them. I very much enjoyed that. And I am going to check myself out of here um, because I think I'm going to pick up my little boy from uh, school. So I am going to check out and loving all your engagement. And thank you all. Um, thank you all. Can I write that? Does that look naff? Thank you all. Just taking time to write that. Is that a smiley face? Looks a bit, but yes, it is. Um, has that come up? anyway that, it doesn't matter thank you all and i'm going to check out and see you next week tuesday night seven o'clock any questions please post or just do it live love it live just bring it in i'm going to check out here thank you and good night have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you